For a little while, if you will, open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 11. Matthew the 11th chapter. And I am going to read beginning in verse number 1. And it is good to see all of you in the house of the Lord today. Praise God. It's good to be in God's house. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. It's good to be in God's house. Amen. Now, I don't know if you're just seriously searching for Matthew and you don't know where it's at. and That's why you're having a hard time responding or not. But it's good to be in the house of God today. Amen. God has been better to us than we deserve and I think all of us would readily admit that if we just took a moment to look around. So instead of crying about something being over, why don't you smile that it happened? Amen. Praise God. In spite of everything the devil could do to stop you from getting here this morning, you got here. And some of you, he tried hard today to throw a kink in the road or or your flesh or whatever else got in the way, but you're here. Amen. In spite of everything that could have happened, you're here today. Praise God. You ought to be, you ought to be shouting unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. Amen. Nothing else. Make a little noise just to confuse the devil. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 1. And it came to pass... When Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John, John the Baptist, had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and he said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he. Whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning John, What went you out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind? But what went you out to see? A man clothed in fine raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went you out for to see? A prophet. Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. And everybody said, Amen. Now when John had heard in the prison, the works of Christ. He sent one of his disciples and he said unto him, Art thou he 
or do we look for another? God bless you. Turn to somebody and say in Jesus' name, you may be seated. Amen. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about faith storms. Faith storms. We are called by Scripture to be a people of faith. And it is evident throughout the Word of God that those who please God are those who walk by faith and not by sight. We live by faith. The Old Testament prophet said, and the just shall live by their faith. Scripture declares that we are a people of faith. Our lives are governed, or so they should be governed, by the unseen, but the believed. As a child of God, we live by a different standard than the world. The world lives by what they see. We live by what we know and what we have heard. We are made to understand how important faith is in Scripture when Hebrews declares that without faith it is impossible to please God. That verse within itself is both encouraging and intimidating. It is encouraging because it implies that faith is possible. It is intimidating because without it, I cannot please God. As much as we try, as much as the best of us try, we all at times still struggle with the concept of faith more than perhaps anything else in our spiritual life. In my years of pastoring and dealing with people I would say that it is the faith life that disturbs people more often than their prayer life. And it is the faith life that disturbs them more often than their obedience or even their sacrifice. I have come to understand that the faith life and struggling with our faith is something that is more prevalent than people struggling with paying tithes and giving offerings. As much as that may cause some to stumble, faith causes more to stumble. Because we are intimidated by the unseen and by the unknown. No one in this building is exempt from that struggle. It doesn't matter if you are a new convert and just beginning walking with God or you are someone who has been attempting to live for God for the entirety of your life, all of us at times struggle with faith. It doesn't matter how long it has been. It still happens. Faith, according to Scripture, defines a dimension of life and a dimension of living that is pleasing to God. It is a dimension of life and a dimension of living that is pleasing to God. And what opens to a person of faith through the Word of God is powerful. 
resources are available that blow our imagination. The scripture says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is a trust. It is a confidence. It is an assurance all wrapped in one. And many times what we call faith is really just blind ignorance. It is just us saying something but not really believing. Faith is more than just my words. Faith involves my trust. And faith, according to James, without works is dead. It doesn't matter how much you talk about it. If it doesn't work, it's dead. I remember reading the story about a tightrope walker who was with a large gathering of people and he was about to demonstrate his ability to walk between buildings on the high wire. He was going to push a, uh, a wheelbarrow across on this high wire without any kind of support. And all the people gathered and they were so excited. And so he began to inquire of them, do you think I can walk across this rope without any assistance? And everybody clapped their hand. Yes, we believe you can do that. And he said, well, do you believe I can walk across this and uh, push this wheelbarrow? And there was a loud applause and everybody just, yeah, you can do that. We, we've heard about you. We know about your skills. And, and then he said, well, do you believe that I can walk across this and push this wheelbarrow with somebody in the wheelbarrow. Everybody applauded and clapped their hands. And yeah, we believe you can do that. He said, all right, I want my first volunteer. And nobody stepped forward. It's easy to talk about faith. It's harder to demonstrate it. It's harder to live it. What is the difference between great faith and little faith? What is the difference between adventurous faith and cowering faith? Not as much as you would think. For Peter, the difference between a great adventurous faith and, and weak little sinking faith was just a look. It was just a look. It was a diversion of his eyes from one to another. And it brought him down. And so it is in life. We can simply turn our eyes from the one we ought to be looking to and suddenly our faith crumbles and we feel weak and anemic. Anyone who has ever attempted to live for God or has attempted to walk this faith life has been through times like I am talking about. Perhaps some of you are there this morning. Times when your faith is shaken. Times when faith is disturbed and troubled. Time when faith is weak and limited. And when you look at it, it seems so small. Times when our confidence is stunned and our nerves are rattled. Time when our mindset is turned upside down and our heart is distressed and we are flustered and frustrated. And we walk anxiously in our life. There are times when fear creeps into our lives so subtly. It comes in through the cracks and the crevices quietly, but surely it comes. It sneaks into our bedchamber. It whispers to us in our quiet moments. It slithers into 
the back way of our mind and begins to suggest or perhaps insinuate things are not as they appear. There are times when we don't know what to do. There are times when we are frustrated at the slowness of God. Anybody ever been frustrated at the slowness of God? Anybody? Well, I don't ask anybody to raise your hand because all of you are afraid to admit this morning that you've been there before. God's been so slow in answering and you languish in misery and your soul is disturbed and you cry out with the psalmist David, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? You're not alone in that feeling and you're not by yourself. There are others that have been there, others that have gone through what you're going through. One of them is none other than John the Baptist. This particular glimpse of John is one of the most interesting that Scripture portrays. Here is the great preacher of the wilderness. The man clothed not in fine linen but in camel's hair and eating locusts and wild honey. Coming out of the wilderness with a blazing word from God that literally blisters the heart of men and causes them to wilt before the very word of God. The man who turned Israel on their heels, the man who came out of nowhere as a voice crying in the wilderness and he shook a nation and he turned hearts toward God and now we see him isolated in a prison cell alone in the secret chamber of his own mind, and things began to unravel. A man who had been unafraid, a man whose boldness is unparalleled in Scripture, a man who is fearless in the face of Herod, who will stand and point his finger at Herod and say, you cannot have your brother's wife. That same man is now in a prison. This same man is now alone. No matter what the sin, he wasn't afraid to call sin what it was. And when men dared to accost him and say, oh, you're being too abrasive, he said the axe is laid at the root of the tree. Let it be what it is. But sin is sin. Here is a man who, no matter who it was and no matter what it was, He was not afraid to say it. He was not afraid to declare it. He was not afraid to stand before whoever and declare the Word of God. And now we picture him isolated in a prison, languishing away in this lonely cell, and suddenly life changes. One moment he is the headlines of the newspaper. He's the talk of the Jerusalem Gazette. And the next moment, he is forgotten. He isn't even a back page notice. He is no longer on the radar. He is no longer talked about. He is no longer referred to. He is no longer even considered. Only his few disciples even care to come and visit him. And in those quiet moments, 
Strange things begin to happen to this strong man. He begins to question perhaps even his calling. He questions his ministry. He questions his mission. He questions his life. He begins to wonder about what all is happening. And fear begins to rise in his heart. Until he calls one of his disciples and he said, I need you to go on an errand for me. I need you to get word to Jesus. And all I want you to ask him is, are you he? Are you the one? Or do we look for another? What a strange question for a man of such boldness and such faith to be asking at this point. I wondered who that question was for. Was it for his disciples? Maybe John was convinced, but his disciples weren't. I don't believe so. I believe John was having a faith storm. I believe he was going through what some of you perhaps are going through this morning, wrestling with some issues in your life and you don't understand them and they don't make sense and you question everything in your life and you wonder if what you're doing is right. You wonder if you're even living right or you wonder if you're even doing the will of God anymore. And so it is that John wrestled with those feelings. And I, I've not come this morning to disparage him. I certainly would not speak ill of John. Jesus said of him that there was none greater than John the Baptist. But I do want answers and I do want to understand and I do want encouragement and I do want help. And I do want to see a recovery of lost faith or weak faith. And I noticed some things about John. I noticed some things that caused the storm to rise in his life. I noticed, and these are storm warnings if you want to call them that. First of all, faith storms happen when the pace of your life changes. When the pace of your life changes. Suddenly, John, who had been in the forefront, who had been leading the parade, who had been before all, he had been the voice crying in the wilderness. Now everything is turned around and suddenly he is in a tailspin and he was going from one riverside to another preaching the gospel of repentance to everybody that would hear. He was being inquired by the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the rulers of the city were coming to inquire of John what they needed to do to get their heart right with God. And yet now he is out of the picture. The pace of his life has slowed down. He's no longer moving at that fast, rapid pace. He's no longer doing the things that he was doing. He no longer had the responsibilities that he once had. All of a sudden, everything is geared down. He was a major player, but now he's not even back page news. He's not even in the comic section any longer. He is forgotten, and they are moving on, and John has not been able to come to grips with a change of pace in his life. Perhaps somebody here this morning is going through a change of pace in your life. Life is altering itself. Life is shifting gears for you. And 
Maybe you're not going as rapidly as you were. Perhaps you are not doing things as you once did. What's interesting is that there are no recorded visits from Jesus during this entire incarceration. There is no word. The pace of his life has thrown his faith into a stormy situation. And he begins to wrestle with things in his life that he never dreamed he would ever wrestle with. And it happens when life suddenly shifts. We were out front doing this and doing that and here and there and had these demands and all of a sudden they're gone. And we begin to wonder. The second thing I noticed about John is that he was now restricted. His life had been placed behind bars. A man who had been used to the freedom of the wilderness, he had come and gone, now had come into a restricted and limited environment. He was not free to move around like he wanted to. He didn't have all of the liberties that he had once experienced. Now he had been marginalized. He had been put over to the side. And he had been almost, it seems, forgotten. A major player was now on the bench. And the manager wasn't even looking his way. He wasn't even thinking of him. John is wrestling with restrictions now. Limitations on his life. Constraints that he was not used to. And so the storm came. He was not only dealing with the restrictions and limitations in his life, but perhaps the greatest thing he struggled with was the silence, the silence of life, the silence of God. When prayers go unanswered, or so it seemed, when God does not explain his way, he does not explain his operation, there is no confirmation, there is no explanation, only silence. And John is dealing with silence. I have lived for God a long time and I will have to tell you this morning that there have been times in my life when I have gone through long periods of silence from God. You may think that's strange or you may think perhaps that I was backslidden but I'm here to tell you that I prayed as much as I've ever prayed and I've walked as close to God as I've ever walked but I had no ready word from God. I, I had no visiting angel to come and whisper in my ear, you're doing good, Mark. Keep it up. You're doing good, son. Just keep on doing what you're doing. I had no confirmation. There are times that I have walked these aisles and I have begged God, God, would you please give me a confirmation that I'm still in your will, that I'm doing what you want me to do. Would you give me a confirmation? This morning I prayed, God, if I could just get a confirmation. But there was no phone call. There was no email. There was no text message. There was no angel that met me when I went back to the office. There was no hand that slipped into mine when I walked out of this auditorium and said, Son, I'm with you. Everything's going to be all right. Just the silence of God's presence. Just the silence of God's presence. And John wrestled with that silence. Amen. Some of you are there right now. You've been praying hard, diligently. 
and nothing seems to be coming of your prayer. Don't, don't despair. Don't give up. I'll tell you something what to do in a moment, but John was dealing with the silence. The silences of life that come so often when we want a word from God. And you know what's so discouraging? It's when you call to talk to somebody else and you don't talk about your problem, but they, they bring up something. Oh, God gave me a confirmation today. And it's just like a knife stuck in you. And just somebody puts it in your gut and just turns it three or four turns. Everybody else is getting a word from God. Everybody else seems to know what God's up to. But here I am over here in the corner. I've been taken out of the picture. I'm no longer a player. It doesn't seem like I'm a player. I'm no longer where I was. I'm not doing what I used to do. I'm not strong like I used to be. What's wrong, God? What has happened? Are you the one or do we look for another? There are times when no confirmation comes, but you keep going. The greatest, perhaps, the greatest storm that brewed in that cell was when John had to begin to live his own life message. John had been the one that said he must Increase, but I must decrease. And now he was having to live his own message. You know, it's, tar- it's hard sometimes to eat your own cooking. Oh, you can tell everybody else about how to get through their problems. You can tell everybody else how to face their issues. You can tell everybody else how to be strong in their crisis. You can tell everybody else how to overcome that obstacle. Oh, don't let that bother you. Don't let that sidetrack you. Don't let that stop you. But when you're in the midst of your own storm, when you're in the midst of that prison of of life where everything has been cut off and there's no messenger coming, there's there's no ladder from heaven like Jacob saw where angels are ascending and descending. There's no voice in the night. There's not even a hand writing on the wall to tell you God's word or God's message there's nothing just the silence of life and the silence of your moment all of those things and now now you're remembering what you've told everybody else just hang on just keep believing just stay true to God just keep worshiping oh come on folks I'm not beating around the bush today. I'm beating the bush right now. Some of us are really good at telling everybody else how to worship their way through a storm. And then when we have a little something come up in our life, we can't even get off the pew. I've come to tell somebody here this morning that no matter what's going on in your life, the message has not changed and God has not changed. And so if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. If you tell somebody else to praise Him through it all, then you better learn how to praise Him through it all. John's now having to eat his own word. He's having to live his own message. And it's not easy having to live your own message. It's tough when you have to eat your own cooking. Praise God. Amen. But the just shall live by their faith. Amen. You've told a lot of other people how to get through disasters. And yet some of you are stumbling this morning 
Some of us, our faith isn't even on the radar anymore. Some of us are not even living close to God right now. Some of us are so far away, we don't even know God's address this morning because of something's gone wrong and, and things are not like we want it to be. And so we've quit praying. We've quit worshiping. We tell everybody else how to get through their storm, but we're wrestling in our own. And John is now having to live out his own life message. He must increase. I must decrease. He must grow. I must go away. And now the reality is that is exactly what is happening. And John doesn't know how to deal with it. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you have questions? What do you do when your faith is weak? What do you do when you feel isolated and alone? What do you do when you wrestle with the silence of God? You do what John did. You go to him. I don't care what's wrong in your life. He's still the one to go to. I don't care how much you don't understand or how much you do understand. When things begin to turn upside down in life, it's still a wise man that goes to him. Hallelujah. You know what's wrong with a lot of people? They go everywhere else but to Him. They go to their friends. They go to their text messaging. They go to their Facebook page. They go to their psychologist. They go to their psychiatrist. They go to their boss. They go to a counselor. They go to a friend. Why don't you just go to Him? He's the one that has the answer. He's the one that knows where you're at. He knows what's going on in your life. He's the one that you need to get back to come on John you're headed in the right direction you may not understand what's going on but just keep looking to him keep reaching to him keep crying out to him John that's where your answer is it's in him come on somebody lift your hands to him right now and let's praise him hallelujah 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. And so John sent one to him. John sent one in the right direction. You never go wrong when you go to him. Amen. You never go wrong when you seek after him. Praise God. Oh, I wish somebody could seek after him right now. You don't even need to listen to anything more I need to say right now. You just need to start going after him. God, I need you. That's what Brother Jay said earlier. We need him in this service. We need his attention in our life. We need him to speak into our life. Amen. John not only went to him, but he got a word from him. And it's important that when God gives you a word that you receive it. And the word was, go show John again these things which you have heard and seen. Tell him what you see. The blind eyes are open. The deaf ears are unstopped. There was a confirmation. God's doing what you said he was going to do. God's doing what you said he was going to do. God's still up to something. What you believed is still true, John. Don't let go of it. 
What you have told others is still trustworthy. Lean on it, John. What you've preached to others is still worthy to be believed. Believe it, John. It's going to be okay, John, because I am doing everything that you said I was going to do. Everything that you told others that I would be, I am being that. And so now, John, I need you to receive that. And oh, John, by the way, Blessed is he that is not offended at how I run my business in their life. Amen. Oh, John, do you hear him now? There's no other recorded message ever sent to John. Somehow I believe the seal was placed on his doubt and his question. However lonely he might have been, he wasn't lonely anymore. He was comforted in the knowledge. I was right. I am still right. Hallelujah. I'm not headed in the wrong direction. I'm not going crazy. I'm not losing my mind. I still have it. It's still in me. God's Word is still true. And somebody needs to hear that this morning. I don't care what it may look like on the outside. I don't care how difficult it may seem in your life right now. God's Word is true. Amen. And no matter what kind of storm is going on in your life, for whatever reason, that storm cannot shake the truth. And the truth is, God is still moving. Amen. He's still moving. He's still working. John, everything is all right. Praise God. Let's stand together.